0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Such a Nightmare, Conversations About Horror. My name is Katherine Troyer, and joining me as always is Anthony Tresca. Hello there! This is a podcast devoted to thoughtful discussions about that fine line between the horrific and the horrible. Each episode looks at a specific horror text that is, for better or worse, giving us Nightmares.
1: Thank you for joining us, and we are so very excited and thankful to have you join us today for our discussion about the 2006 film Black Sheep. So there is another film called Black Sheep that is a Chris Farley buddy comedy movie, Uh, and while I'm sure we could have very, very thoughtful things to say about this film, uh, it is... Not a horror film.
0: No, not not in the least. Whereas the 2006 New Zealand film Black Sheep is about where sheep Indeed. So it couldn't be much more delightfully horror if it tried.
1: Correct. Decidedly horrific. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, we had... I had a good time with this film. I had not seen this film before... We decided we were going to do it for this podcast,
0: and I had, which is why we we chose it. Correct, um, yeah. And because we had been talking—if you heard our Krampus issue—about the importance of of having actual physical presence, not just CGI. Yeah, the good special creature effects. effects. Exactly, and and this is the same company mm-hmm. that is doing the special effects for yeah. Black Sheep.
1: What a workshop! They they also did not only like said the Krampus, which we've already talked about, and this film, but they are most well known for Lord of the Rings, but they've also worked on Thor Ragnarok, Mad Max Fury Road, The Chronicles of Narnia, iRobot, Hellboy, just to name a few. So they, they've they done a good work.
0: They have, and, and they've done... Quality films, right? So it's not just like you're like, oh, and they have a bunch of works, but you don't want to know because that makes you sad. It's like these are good works, and these are works that deserve to be recognized. And I just creatures. chose;
1: those are just like some of the more popular ones Excellent. that I I chose to get some name recognition yes. in here and get you invested in them. But they've also done a lot of other really quality smaller works as well.
0: And while Black Sheep is beyond goofy and maybe not as Anthony will argue, always successful. It is definitely, I think, successful in its creature effects.
1: Indeed. So before we flock on over to Black Sheep and the discussion of the film proper and we graze in all that is the film's glory, let's get started with some framework, this time about ecology.
0: Yes, and I have to say, Anthony told me he was going to work in, like, a sheep pun... I didn't anticipate the like never-ending sentence
1: of sheep. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I said sheepishly.
0: No, that's I'm so sorry. bad.
1: I, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't help the horror that is my mind. Yeah, you
0: really can't. <laughs> um, and that's okay. We will say that's one of the endearing things. <laughs> about you. We'll say. We'll Whether say. or not it is, uh, you can decide, dear listeners. <laughs> so, uh, ecology, right? And and specifically, this, this very important field of theory that's known as eco-criticism. So, most people will agree that the modern environmentalist movement, as we sort of understand it, began with a fable for tomorrow found in Rachel Carson's 1962 Silent Spring. And I'm going to read you uh, this little, like, scene from, from the story that really sort of sets things up nicely. It says, Then a strange blight crept over the area, and everything began to change. Some evil spell had settled on the community. Mysterious maladies swept the flocks of chickens. The cattle and sheep sickened and died. Everywhere was a shadow of death. So with this, we see actually several things. We have this sort of, like, the pastoral idea that America has clung to that, you know, the that which is in nature and that which is sort of this rural study must be so ideal and lovely. But then we see this like apocalyptic intrusion, mm-hmm. um, and, and and nothing is good anymore. And this really led to 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 scholars saying, Well, let's look at this a little bit more. Let's see how this how this works and how this works in literature and film and, and other cultural texts.
1: And even more, like, uh, this is a little bit different than some of the framework that we've used for a lot of our other episodes because eco criticism is not exclusively applied to just media Correct. and, uh, like, texts, like, films, books, and whatnot. It's also f- applied to whole areas of studies. like yes. Political science uses it quite extensively, as one might imagine. It's used throughout all disciplines. So this one is not just helpful for when you want to flex on a horror film. You can also use eco-criticism to flex in your real life.
0: Yeah, absolutely you can, because just like gender studies is about looking at how gender affects every aspect of the world around us, or post-colonial studies looks at the relationship between different nations and the who has been colonized and who's been doing the colonizing, eco-criticism says place, and more specifically, the earth matters, and it shapes every single aspect of who we are as humans. Mm -hmm. We know no other reality. So let's look at our lives, be that political science or literature, from this earth centered or earth centric approach yeah
1: biocentric
0: exactly and and the result is i think you can see a lot of it in horror right because we just that description from silent spring it sounded like the beginning of a horror
1: story i mean it used the word death in there yeah Cut right to the chase it
0: did and 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 i think the horror genre has been like oh yes this is a rich area and for exploration and i mean we've talked
1: about on other episodes before Horror films and books are supposed to be tapping into the cultural zeitgeist and what makes us afraid. And, I mean, currently right now with, like, all of these n- new damning UN reports that have kept com- been coming out over not just this year, but over past c- couple decades that have been coming out about it. I mean, it's pretty scary. It's, we all live here on this earth. This is something that we can't avoid. It's going to affect us all. So horror films are like, yeah, might as well tap into this and get eco-critical
0: exactly and and so black sheep is of course 2006 so i think i think we're actually if i were to make a prediction i think we're going to see more eco horror in the next few years because of all the things that you mentioned but we are seeing it honestly from like the 70s onward right mm-hmm. even even if we look at like just the crazies, right, or some of these early films. I mean,
1: like, the 1970s was known as the Age of Ecology. It was when this movement really got born. So even though Carson wrote her book in 1962, the Ecology Movement didn't really get started until it was, uh, here in America anyways, legitimized in 1970s with the implementation of the United States Environmental Protection Agency. And then it was really given a big victory in 1973 with the passage of the Endangered Species Act, which got uh, the United States government to recognize that some non-human species actually did deserve rights and protections from the government.
0: If you're listening And you've seen black sheep you're like okay well this i i see exactly how you're getting here Mm -hmm. right um because everything that i think black sheep is about both on the surface level and a couple layers down really is about this concern of what are we doing and are we you know do we really get to claim to be sort of top of the of this chain or not right um so i want to just read a brief passage from an article on material eco criticism in the postmodern horror film by Stephen A. Rust. And in it, he says, and this is a quote Whereas the Revenge of Nature films feature monstrous animals attacking humans, postmodern horror films place the locus of horror squarely on humanity, particularly the family, marking the genre as an important signifier of the looming presence of humanity. As an agent of global ecological change during the rise of neoliberal capitalism. That would be the worst tagline to Black Sheep ever. Yeah, I don't think... But it
1: more or less could be the tagline. It wouldn't exactly drive home the horror comedy premise. No, it's not as clever as the, like, get the
0: flock out of here, which was one of their taglines. Right, this would definitely... Be a
1: bit more of a bummer. Yeah.
0: But it is more or less a description of what's happening within uh, this film. And it's one of the reasons why I'm a big sucker for creature features anyway. I will watch them happily any day of the year. And I have seen some, I mean, I've seen zombies where a zoo gets taken over by a zombie virus. I've seen zombievers. I've seen, you know, like I've seen just about all of them because I, I love them so much. But I I like black sheep and put it in a slightly higher position precisely because of its Exploration of, okay, well, what do we do when we have a nation that technically has more sheep than people, mm-hmm. which is true for New Zealand, what do we do with that and and how is that, like, something that we should be thinking about? And, and I just think that this film very clearly is addressing those questions in really fun ways. Yeah. So, at this point, uh, Anthony will share some of the background for the film.
1: Yeah, there's not quite as much background on this film or the people involved with it because it is a much smaller film mm-hmm. than a lot of the ones we previously talked about. There's not a ton of media attention that has been given to Black Sheep. Uh, Black Sheep was, like we said, a 2006 film made in New Zealand that was both written and directed by Jonathan King. The um, most notable thing about it, the biggest thing involved with it, was the special effects done mm-hmm. by Weta Workshop, which were really great. We'll get into more discussion on those later. Who is this Jonathan King character? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the writer and director of Black Sheep, for yeah, one. That's... Uh, he's the son of historian Michael King, who wrote The Penguin History of New Zealand. Well, there you go. It's just a fun little tidbit there. I mean,
0: that'd be pretty cool to be like, yes, my father has written the book about the penguins of New Zealand. Of New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's nice.
1: At least she's got his claim to fame there. That's right. Penguin historian of all of New Zealand.
0: Yes. And his son becomes the were-sheep yeah. expert of New Zealand. This
1: is, uh, this... W- <laughs> King used his were-sheep expertise yes. to write and direct this, which was his first film. Uh, uh, the Black Sheep was in then he wrote, went on to co-write the screenplay for The Tattooist. And then he made a remake of a New Zealand television series, Under the Mountain. Uh, he was a writer, director, and producer on that. And that's all he's done. He's done three things. Uh, hasn't done any more since then. and That's it. Uh,
0: and if, I, if I'm if i talking about things that make me happy about this film, um, one of them is, is that although this film is not very well known, in part because... King hasn't done very much. This king, right? The other king, of course, has.
1: Um, the other king being Stephen. Stephen, yes. <laughs> yes,
0: if I can call him Stephen. Um, can so, we call him Stephen? Are don't we know. on that
1: level? I mean, we've we've we talk about him we enough. Sure, talk
0: about him an awful lot. So yeah, let's say that for just today, he We're can be Stephen.
1: Stephen. Um, so Steven. other
0: other king, um, you know, he hasn't done very much, but this is a prime example of what is oftentimes sort of belovedly referred to as Kiwi Splatter. Yes. And if you Google the phrase Kiwi Splatter, it does not come up. up.
1: There's nothing.
0: And so it's not, so I don't honestly off the top of my head really know like who gets to have the official credit of coming up with that phrase, but it refers to films as early as Peter Jackson's Bad Taste and dead alive, and and if you watch Bad Taste, you can see like the start of something beautiful that will be Peter Jackson's career. But it is a it is a really rough film because mm-hmm. they filmed it over like a couple years, and the and it was his friends. So sometimes they had beards, sometimes they didn't. But you know we have those films. We have films like Housebound, which is fantastic. So this Kiwi splatter is a genre that's sort of dear to my heart, um, and it, it is a unique aesthetic. It's something that's just kind of it's quirky and it's weird and it's a place where people can say you know what would be interesting um, and weird and weird a film about where sheep or in the case of bad taste a film about aliens that come to earth wanting to make humans into food I mean this is just like the sky's the limit mm-hmm. um, as long as there's plenty of blood and splatter splattering yeah. yeah
1: so Black Sheep premiered at the 31st Toronto Film Festival on uh, September 10th 2006 as part of their Midnight Madness series, and then got released in New Zealand proper on March 29th, 2007. Black Sheep, uh, it's got some interesting reactions from people. It's kind of all over the board. The Rotten Tomato score from critics is a 71, which is good. Audiences, it's a 53, which is is less good. Uh, The IMDb score is a 5.8. The Metacritic score, critics gave it a 62, and audiences gave it a 5.7. So yeah. it's like eh to
0: eh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's kind of that's a really actually kind of shocking range because it's usually not that that diverse. Um not for a film like this, but but I think it reflects the fact that as Anthony and I were talking about, there's a lot of things that work well with this film, there's some things that don't, and you have to decide are you willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater or or not, right? And I think that that determines a lot of people's responses to the film.
1: And uh I'm mostly able to acknowledge a lot of the good things but I, I just there's just a lot of problems with it that I I can't get over and so I ultimately, don't love it as much as you do. Spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast. Yeah.
0: And and it's an important spoiler alert because I think that everyone should love the movie as much as I do. It just makes me so happy. I mean, not every joke lands. It's that, certainly, that's certainly true. You know, And it's certainly not to the caliber of, say, Shaun of the Dead, right? Like, I'm not trying to say that it's the same. But there's just something so fantastic about I, and really a lot of it goes back to the creature feature um you know and and the work that they've done but there's just something delightful about this idea of of evil sheep that just like it satisfies tr- me in my soul it's
1: true and that's like the best part of the in- the movie
0: yeah so this is this is an a case of a movie that has a great
1: premise the concept incredible it's so so ridiculous and dumb that it works yes it works so well. And
0: it works, I think, from the beginning of the idea of having a character who grew up on a farm, but now has sheepophobia. Sheep,
1: yeah. Or whatever Whatever that, that phrase was. is.
0: And, and like, because, the, the, you know, farm animals are very polarizing, right? You're either like, oh, that's adorable. Or you're like, that's a very large animal. And so just kind of that idea of, like, having somebody that's terrified of sheep when the rest of us are like, really? But they're so fluffy. And Mary had one. And why would you want one? Um, and then to just, like, see... <laughs> you know, them go evil, but also, you know, again, people turning into sheeps. I mean, there's just so very much that's it, working. It
1: really just takes the concept, and then it, it like, turns it up a, a notch, turns it up a notch a little more, and then just goes all out ridiculous. Yes. And it's just like, yeah, we're just, we're really going to lean into this whole thing. Yes. And we know it's silly. We know this is ridiculous. But you know what? We don't really care. We're just going to do it.
0: And and I think I think I appreciate that, like the fact that they didn't care how we were gonna respond, but they did care enough to really pay attention to to production elements. oh, yeah. um, you know, they they were thoughtful about cinematography. They were thoughtful about um certain, so you know, special effects, but also just like the landscape, um, their decisions about setting. like they were thoughtful about so very many things. And I, and I appreciate that, like, Yolo slash but we care a lot effect.
1: Yeah, there's some just fun little facts about like the some of the creature things. It's like it took four people to operate that giant Grant monster sheep suit, which is just very intricate and just shows how much work it and it took to do that one creature. Uh, This one is just funny to me. Uh, Jonathan King, who is the writer director, did the noises for that sheep monster. Oh, that makes
0: me so happy. It, that
1: was him. He, he was just doing all the weird sheep noises.
0: I feel like <laughs> I would want to do that. You know, like, what a great, like, who cares that I directed and wrote it? I got to be the voice of the wear
1: sheep That just seems It's me. Forever right. immortalized as yes. voice of sheep monster.
0: Oh, see, that just, like, you can really, maybe that's why he hasn't done too much else, because he already, like, He peaked.
1: He peaked. He peaked too soon. He peaked with his first film, yeah. and then Went on for two more and was like, wait, 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 wait. I don't need to do anything no, else. I've
0: been a sheep monster.
1: I am forever associated as Grant, sheep monster, noisemaker. I'm yes. done.
0: Uh-huh. And who can blame him?
1: Not me. me. If Not I, me. I hope to one day be associated Ugh. with something as good as yes. noises that come up. Are emitted from a giant sheep monster.
0: Yeah, I fully approve of this plan. (laughs) Um, So this is this is why the podcast will have to end because Anthony and I are going on the road Mm -hmm.
1: to try to become to beg anyone to let us become the voices of sheep monsters. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: and I think like moving beyond that gag. um,
1: That's not a gag. That's my truth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So sad. Um, I have a feeling that like. Your family is going to be really sad um, by the lost potential or the gained potential. Or the gain. I don't know.
1: It's it depends.
0: <laughs> it depends on whether or not you make it big in that world.
1: Yeah, if I I guess it just depends on how successful I am. I'm going to advocate for an animated TV show where I can be the voice of a giant I was going to say, I think
0: I'm going to make a, a documentary oh, okay. about, and, and I'll need to come up with something clever, but it'll basically be about your journey. <laughs> To become the voice of a sheep monster,
1: I oh, I can just see that's going to be such a good documentary. It's
0: yeah, I, I just I need a clever title. So so give me a couple minutes to come up with a pun, because um, of course it, by clever I mean uh, pun. Of course, um, and then and then I'll share it towards the no, end. No,
1: I I knew what you yeah, meant. I know. Believe me. <laughs>
0: yeah, well that's for <laughs> Um I also thought though just the like use of the actual sheep. So if and they are a, real sheep yes so that we um, there's a special feature about the making of the film it's about thirty minutes long it's mm-hmm. on the DVD it's and it's actually really great and you get to like hear from sheep wranglers and then you realize oh I guess there is someone whose life truly is to have f- sheep ready for film so, um see if their life can be true.
1: getting sheep ready for films why can't my life be making the noises of sheep monsters
0: I mean you can I <laughs> I think it'll be again. I, it'll be a very haunting documentary because it will be about a descent into madness. And at well, some I point, have to
1: method act, of course. Of course, I will live with the sheep.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah, this will be. I'm going to win some big awards for this <laughs> documentary. I'm very excited. Which, by the way, I have come up for the title for. It will be called "Sheepers Creepers: The Anthony Tresca Story."
1: Yeah, that's that's gonna that's a title that is guaranteed to win you big awards. Oh titles. yeah,
0: it's it's just really beautiful it's, and haunting.
1: It's gonna be a very touching story. I will weep. I'll I weep. will sheep.
0: Oh no. That will be the tagline.
1: <laughs> yes. No, you will weep while he will sheep.
0: Oh, oh I love it so much actually. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Okay, yay. Um but but you know, this is a film that like Really shows why if you take the time to do something right, it can pay off because the sheep are phenomenal. In Mm -hmm. fact, one might argue, and actually, I think Jonathan King does in the making of that some of the sheep are better. No, he doesn't say it. Somebody says though that the sheep are better actors than some of the human actors. That they were better about their timing. I would agree with that, and I know you would because I know you weren't super fond of the acting.
1: Yeah, that's one of my larger criticisms with the film is that I. I love the sheep and yeah. all of the sheep related sequences, like where the sheep is driving the truck. Hilarious. Peak comedy. Yes. Uh, or when the sheep are like at the end. Yeah, just that really
0: is a fantastic moment. I actually thought you wouldn't like it because I thought it was too goofy for you. No,
1: yeah. it was Its perfect. eyes are so big. Just, are, yeah, and then the sheep drives off a cliff. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's so funny. It is. That's so good. That's such a good sequence. Or like when the sheep are destroying everybody at the end and it's just a manhouse with all the sheep destroying and ripping the blood and guts out. That's a very well thought out sequence. And there's a lot of like good sheep related sequences throughout the film. Um, Sheep related sequences. That's a good phrase. Yeah, it is. I like that. Yeah, it's nice. Um, However... The sheep-related sequences are so good and, like, interesting in my, and fun to watch, in my opinion, that any time we just cut back to the characters talking and just, like, having to ad- advance the plot or or whatever, it just... It's not as interesting, and it's not as good. It's not as engaging.
0: I agree. I don't think that the characters are meant to be particularly likable, in part because I think that's part of the, like the point the, the it's sort the of critique like, mm-hmm. but also I feel like that is not an actual official characteristic of Kiwi Spotter, but it is a common feature because of the fact that, that these films are most often filmed with with Native New Zealanders who it's just a smaller pool right of applicants that they're drawing from to be in these films. And so I actually appreciate that they didn't, for example, Go to Hollywood to to find their actors, and if you look at the if you like look on IMDb, most of these people haven't been in too that's, much stuff. That's true, and and that's but true. Now for I'm bad just taste. imagining
1: like Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt well, as be. dueling brothers in Yes Black Sheep.
0: Well, that's nice. I like that. It makes me happy.
1: Um, so so when the American remake happens yes. with them. Then I can be the sheep monster in see, the American remake. See,
0: so first you just need to get, you know, them on board, which will be super easy. Super easy. easy. Yeah, because I know they've been looking for this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, so I guess I don't have, I'm willing to forgive it because I know why it's happening. And I would rather, again, that they source locally, if we're going to continue this sort of ecological thing, source locally, um, <laughs> then, then have people who are maybe better actors.
1: Be that as it may, it still does make a lot of the human sequences drag on. And it just makes me wish that the sheep were on the screen again. And so, and it doesn't help that the writing is not the best throughout all of it. No, it's and not. And they have to deliver some painful lines and series yes. of exposition. And
0: there are some times that you just know that they were like, yeah, I guess we probably have to have that joke in there,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like, Like, I didn't mind that they blew up the sheep from the methane, I was fine with that. But like, I didn't need to see the fart explode, right? Or I understand why there were all the jokes about sheep molesters. I can't say the actual phrase that I wanted to say Um, because I, I know that that, again, is, is something that is probably the very common joke. Mm-hmm. Um But I don't know if I needed to see a penis being ripped, ripped off, off so, so by there, sheep. Yes, so there were definitely moments that it was you know, that they were like, okay, well, we'll just go ahead and hit that lowest common denominator joke level. But I I felt like I was willing to swallow those moments if it meant that I got to have a sheep driving a vehicle off of a cliff.
1: Yeah. And it really is. Again, I I do ultimately think I would recommend this film to most people because of the fun sheep sequences that do make the film pretty worthwhile, just with the, like, a little asterisk by it. And it's just, like, do acknowledge, though, you will have to sit through some painful sequences.
0: So are you suggesting, as is almost always your solution, that it just needs to be a little bit shorter?
1: Um, my solution, uh, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. My that does seem to be my answer to everything. Yes. Is just make the movie shorter. L- listen, just show me just the good stuff. I I, yeah, if it's not good if it's not as good as your sheep. I don't wanna see it. So
0: what would you say is, is like the one scene with the humans that you feel is the most dispensable?
1: I'm thinking. Um, so for my I think my answer would probably be I think the end gets rather long and just drags on With the human-related aspect, while the sheep are surrounding the house and they're Mm -hmm. trying to escape and they're getting gone or whatever, and there's the brother versus brother conflict that is just—it's a a very long time without any sheep on the screen, Mm -hmm. and it's just except for
0: that one beautiful sheep.
1: Oh, the one beautiful, yeah, but but he he was doing terrible things to the sheep. That's true. That's true. I didn't want to think about that. That I wasn't a fan of. No, that it did not make up for.
0: If I were to to trim the fat somewhere, I think it would it wouldn't be necessarily cutting out any of the human scenes, but it would be cutting out all of the the lowest common denominator jokes, and and I think that would solve most of my issues because it wouldn't just be the jokes; it would also be um, some of the unnecessary exposition dialogue at the end. Indeed, it'd be all the sex- sections about like. The relationships so when um, Angus is talking to the evil doctor and she's like well you didn't mind it when it was personal like we didn't need it, that right like no. I just would. we need to know that there's an evil doctor because we need to know there's a remedy sure but but I just think that if they had just said you know what yes It's about where she... But we're going to go highbrow. Or at least we're going to go non-typical with our humor.
1: Um, I think I would have liked that. I would have definitely liked that a little bit better. And it would have made the end not last and drag on nearly as long.
0: Like, one of the characters I found rather delightful because she wasn't typical to me, at least, was the housekeeper. Oh, indeed. Because, like, she just kind of cracked me up because she was, like, just so blasé about everything, but also sort of like super competent but also not really concerned like i don't know it just and the kind of constant juxtaposition between like haggis and and what the sheep were eating which was the human intestines right like i just thought that that worked because it wasn't expected penis jokes what? sure you know and so i i think that that for me is is probably where i would have like drawn my line yeah
1: i'm willing to get behind that that sounds good to me
0: and also, I know you had a problem with the acting.
1: I, I did have a, a problem with a lot of the acting.
0: I thought Henry was fine. The main...
1: The main guy?
0: Yeah. I mean, he was over the top. He wasn't like... You're not going to be like, mm, where was his Oscar? Um, or the equivalent thereof. I, I just thought he, I thought I thought he, I thought he was, was fine.
1: Serviceable. I thought I was serviceable. But I didn't think he was anything special.
0: No, I don't think any of them were anything special, and part of it's because the characters are
1: are so like one dimensional yes. and very flat.
0: Which this is the the risk you run when you are doing comedy, period, but specifically comedy horror. And we've talked about this before mm-hmm. that it is really hard to do comedy horror correctly because it's hard to do comedy and it's hard to do horror. So it's hard to do so both of them gonna together. So it's going to be almost impossible to do both together. And a common
1: criticism of both of the genres is that you in order to achieve, like, a lot of the genre elements of comedy or horror, you sacrifice the characters, and, like, having fully realized characters, you rather just have human props that walk into situations and either do jokes and bits or get murdered. Yes.
0: And I think this is why it's both really important to think about this from from an eco-critical standpoint and also why it was so important that they they went ahead and involved Weta, and that is because the real characters, the interesting characters, are the sheep. Are are the sheep. And the New Zealand landscape. Indeed. Because there's all those lines where we realize that, you know, this is a beautiful land, but it's also not a very safe land, right? Not because of, like, sheep, but because it's just... It's so big, right? So much of New Zealand has is, is not been domesticated, if you will. Destroyed. Inter- destroyed. Um, and so it's, it's still... If we're continuing with yes. this
1: eco-critical... So it's
0: still got that sort of wildness to it that means that humans are not necessarily going to triumph, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we remember that those are the main characters, then it's okay that everyone else is just okay.
1: And I just wish that the film had remembered yes. that in a little... And shaved off some of the... The human moments. The human moments. Shaved off the wool that is the human moments in this film.
0: Yes, excellent. And then used that.
1: Is it shaving? Oh, is it shearing? Shearing. It's shearing the sheep. There we go.
0: Apparently neither of us are sheep farmers. No. (laughs) as we couldn't remember that word for a really long time, but yes, shear. So now now make your joke as though it is the first time, and we'll all laugh as though it is. So make your joke about the shearing. Okay,
1: okay. Um, prepare yourselves. Yes, I'm about to oh, indulge in a bit. Um, yes, if only the filmmakers had remembered that who their main characters were, and sheared the humans off of it. Like Excellent. the wool that is on sheep. Get Excellent. It? You get
0: it now? <laughs> yes. Now it's so funny. Now it's Before so clear. it was only, it was so, only funny, so so funny. But now it's just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Incredible. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so uh I do want to talk about and I don't know why I should love it so much, but the little like feta sheep. Mm-hmm. It was so adorable.
1: Good creature design. If
0: I could have it in my house as like a prop, I would. Because it just and I, I think it's at that moment that I realized that like I was just gonna like everything about the film mm-hmm. because it, it's so goobery looking.
1: Um, it is very goobery. And it's the
0: like teeth, like there's just just so much about it that's just so right. Uh, and so I just have to say, like for me, all I need is a slightly cute, kind of hideous thing, and I will I will be sold.
1: So, well, you have so wanted to know. thank for that. Yeah,
0: and I, I just feel like I really must thank them because they they made that. Send
1: them a postcard. A little letter.
0: Yeah, I could hand draw um, my version of it, and then we can make it a card that when it opens, it it bleats out your sheep monster My sheepster, and so
1: then that serves as my audition. Yes,
0: yes. (laughs) This, This is the plan. One of the things that I think is really neat about watching films that are not, not only not Hollywood, but also just not American, is being reminded of just... Where sources of horror are for different different groups of people? and remember, and and I don't think that the average New Zealander is afraid of sh- either sheep or wear sheep, right? I'm not saying that. <laughs> but just just this idea that, like we've talked about with some of our other episodes how very fixed it was on on American concerns and American tensions. And it's just nice to see that there are some things that are universal. um fear, fear of, of sheep, yes, fear of sheep, <laughs> um fear of wear sheep,
1: of course. The two number one fears in the entire world. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. Clowns has been surpassed. Sheep. Um, mm-hmm. But but also like, just the whole... now onto the real yeah. answers. <laughs> yes. Just, <laughs> yeah. See how I just was like okay, but onward, Anthony. Um. But like family tensions, right? Or like letting go of the past to advance for the future. Genetic engineering. Um. All things that again we're still very concerned about. I think, no matter where we are, but there's just a certain flavor to it that's that's unique to the culture that's producing it. And Black Sheep becomes, I think, a great example of that.
1: Um, and then, of course, the source of horror that is more universal and apply, uh, can be applied less to specific cultures or regions of the world, but more of just the entire biosphere, is just like this ecological criticism of humans' manipulation in other organisms within the natural environment yes because we can't ignore
0: the fact that it's not really the sheep themselves that are evil it's the sheep have been manipulated by the humans who'd wanted to jump over centuries of proper husbandry to, to profit to, to make a, a better profit yeah and and i think that that is that theme is one that deserves to be explored again and again in, in horror. And th- there's just no better way to do it in a comedy, especially for Anthony and me, because horror comedies are our jam, which is such a nerdy phrase.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, speaking of that, we're actually going to continue on our kick of comedy horror for our next continue episode. Continue jamming. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like the word jam, period, but I really don't like jamming. I don't like it when you put the ing. It just, it becomes gross. Well, at that moment. So, anyway, continuing on with our jamming in on this <laughs> of comedy horror, we're going to go to the,
1: uh, the 2019 film, The Dead Don't Die.
0: And uh, this time we're gonna flip. So whereas I was a little bit stronger of a supporter for Black Sheep, um, Anthony is going to be the stronger supporter for The Dead Don't Die.
1: Indeed. So in the meantime, uh, between now and when that episode comes out, be sure to like this episode, share it with your friends. Just get the word out. Keep it, keep it going.
0: And and as always, if there's anything that you would like to share with us, uh, please do so on our social media.
1: Indeed, and we will see you next time. Bye.
0: Will we see them?
1: Uh, you know what I mean. They know what I mean.